What's up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of Afro Latinos. This is your host, Aubin, and I am joined today by the illustrious Daniel Burke. Uh, he is joining me on the show uh, in light of some rather sad circumstances, as you probably have heard. Um, uh, recently, Alec Baldwin had an incident on set um, where someone tragically lost their life. And so today, uh, we have with us an expert in uh, stage combat and stage fight choreography. Uh, I just wanted to, I, I just thought it was appropriate to kind of talk about the ins and outs of the um, the fight choreography world, if you will, the, using weapons on stage and that type of thing. I thought it was um, important and a very appropriate conversation to be have. So Dan, why don't you do me a favor and give a quick introduction of yourself to our guests, um, and then we will get started with all the fun. Hi, everybody. Uh, I am Dan Burke. I have a company called Safe Violence and Safe right. Intimacy by Dan Burke. And um, I am an actor, director, but my main line of business is fight and intimacy choreography. Um, so that's what I do for a living. Uh, I've been doing it for a living for the past 12 to 13 years uh, without having to have a survival job, if you will. Um, so I'm very lucky and fortunate in that aspect. But uh, just to give you a, an idea, uh, when pre-COVID was, uh, right before COVID hit, I was working on 13 productions. I was teaching stage combat at Fairfield University and Lebanon Valley College. Um, and then it all came to a crashing halt. Uh, thankfully, it's come back since August. I am now working on seven productions, and two of them open this weekend. Um, so I'm back to I'm back to it, which is awesome. So that's what I do. Well, that's awesome, and I've I've had the privilege of working with Dan uh, in West Side Oops in West Side Story when he uh, choreographed that for uh, the Community Theater League in Williamsport. My co-host Cheney, who is not with us today, um, but he was also in that production. Um, but I, I'm very excited to have him here. I know his work and how great he is and what he does. And so I thought it was appropriate to have him on the episode today. And so before we start our interview, we got to get to the theme. So we will be with you in just a minute. Sit back, relax, and enjoy. Like, I got this. This and, like, <laughs> So thank you so much again, Dan, for joining us on the show. Uh, so can you really quickly tell us where your work as an actor first and foremost began, where you became invested in your uh, in your love of theater um, and where that's kind of taken you, where you went to college, what you studied, that type of thing. So where did your interest in the world of theater come from? Uh, you want the true story? <laughs> Honestly. Open and honest. <laughs> okay, man, here it comes. Um, this is a true story. So uh, it all started when I was in high school, um, middle school, I guess. Uh, I used to wrestle. Um, I wrestled from second grade until eighth grade. When I was in eighth grade, I wrestled on the ninth grade uh, varsity team. So I went up to the high school to wrestle. Well, I was a lightweight. I was like 98 pounds. And the ninth grader was better than me. So I was what was called a scrub. I didn't make the varsity team. My brother was a senior in high school and he was, uh, he got cast as Cornelius in Hello Dolly. And they needed extra guys, if you will, to fill out the, the chorus and the dance troupe. And they were accepting eighth graders. So I auditioned and I got into the dance troupe and, uh, I'll never forget my dance partner. Her name was Lori Pagana. She was a senior and uh, she was just beautiful. And I told the coach, I said, hey, I got cast in this show. I'm gonna miss a couple wrestling practices. 
Um, but I'll be back, you know, when I can. So uh, Saturday rolled around and we had wrestling practice and I went to it and I'd missed about maybe a week or so of rehearsal or, or practices. And I walk into the locker room and uh, the coach says, hey, Burke, come here. He goes, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm, I'm here to practice. I said, I told you I'd miss a couple, but I'm you know, here to practice. And he goes, well, we ordered team jerseys or jackets and we didn't order you one. <laughs> I was like, okay, I get you. So I was walking home and I'm thinking to myself, you know what? If I get really good at this acting thing, I might get to play a lead and I might get to kiss the pretty girls. <laughs> I'm walking home. I'm like, Rolling around with guys on a mat, Lori Pagano. Hey, rolling around with guys on a mat, Lori <laughs> Pagano. So that, that's kind of where it all started. Um, but you know, nowadays with me being an intimacy choreographer, it's you know not about kissing the, the pretty girls. Right. Um, but that's where it was in my you know 15 year old brain at the time. So I was fortunate enough to, I was a horrible, horrible, horrible academic student, but I, I'm from the Harrisburg area and there was a magnet school, arts, arts magnet school called uh, the Harrisburg Arts Magnet School. And I auditioned and I got in. So from 10th grade to 12th grade, I went to the arts magnet school for a half day, which was awesome. It saved my life. It got me through through uh, high school, and I auditioned for and got into the University of the Arts in Philadelphia as an acting major. So, and I graduated from there with a, a BFA in acting. And every incoming acting major was required to take stage combat. It was a class that every freshman had to take, and then after that, it was an elective. Well. I took the class and I was like, this is awesome. This is fun. Now I'm talking back in, uh, this is 1987, 88. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in high school, I never even, I never knew there was a thing called stage combat. You know, I didn't know it was a thing. Um, but I, I fell in love with it. And so sophomore year, I took it again and sophomore year was geared towards becoming a certified actor combatant by the Society of American Fight Directors. So I did that. I took the test and I graduated with a, with a certificate. Um, and then I took stage combat every year that I was in, in college. And I ended up going an extra year of college. I took a semester off and, you know, came back. So my final semester, I took the adjudication again and got certified in stage combat and a couple different weapon classes and everything. And so I've been certified twice by the Society of American Fight Directors. And I came back to the Harrisburg area and there was a new company forming. Um, at that time it was called the Harrisburg Shakespeare Festival. And they morphed into, they had two companies. They had the Popcorn Hat Children's Theater and the Harrisburg Shakespeare Festival. And they became under one umbrella called the Gamut Theater Group. And so every summer they're doing Shakespeare plays and in the winter they're doing Shakespeare plays. And I ended up becoming their fight choreographer. I'm the resident fight choreographer. I wasn't to begin with. The first show I did was their second show in their first season, which was Romeo and Juliet. I got cast as Tibble. And if you know the play, he yeah. fights. A lot um, <laughs> until until he dies. Um, so yeah, I wasn't the fight choreographer for that. A friend of mine uh, that and a friend of the company, uh, Paris Pete, he teaches at Shippensburg College. He was their guy, but he lives down in Maryland, and he was like, you know what? I don't, you know, you can have this. I don't want to do it anymore. So that's how I really got into the choreography end of it, and I've been their person ever since uh, 1994. Um, so, so yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much it. And I was, I was married at it for some time and I was putting my wife through school doing survival jobs. I, I drove a, a waste oil truck at one point I was in sales and, uh, that company that I was working for when, uh, when the big three took the hit, the automakers, uh, back right before Obama got elected and everything crashed, um, my company went through a round of rifts and I got laid off 
And my wife turned to me at the time and she said, you know, you put me through school. Now it's your turn to do what you want to do. So I built my business up um, and I haven't looked back ever since. So that was 1994. Is that right? Um, That I've been doing this full time. So I'm extremely lucky. I'm not rich, but (laughs) I love what I do and I'm able to survive. So, um, yeah, that's my story. Wow, that's a it's a lot to unpack there. Um, but can you can you give us if you were to look at um, a, a newcomer to theater, maybe who's never uh, had to do stage combat? They don't really get what stage combat is, although I'm sure from the name, the definition is not altogether that difficult to to um, uncover. But can you give us a an idea of why stage combat is different, number one, than just regular fighting, and number two, um, different than like a dance choreography, if you will, because there's there's a process involved in, in all of those. Um, but what is the basic difference and definition in your eyes of what good stage combat looks like? So when, when I teach class or whenever I'm working with new actors that I've never worked with before, I ask a lot of questions. I like to make actors feel smart. Um, and I think that helps. So I ask, you know, what do you think the most important thing in stage combat is? And sometimes I'll get the right answer. Sometimes I won't. But I like to say, you know, eye contact is the most important thing. So you both know you're on the same page. But then the big one is, what is 99% of stage combat? And, or 90% of stage combat. And that is acting. Mm-hmm. So if you can act, you, you need to act the fight. Um, and that means vocalizations. And a lot of I work at a lot of high schools and the kids don't want to act because they're so self-conscious. Mm-hmm. They don't want to make the sound. Um, you know, and I say sounds in the body go from high to low. When you get hit in the face, it's a different sound than if you get hit in the chest or the gut. It's ah, uh, oof, oh, you know, and they don't want to go there, you know. Yeah. Um, but it, like you said, it, it is choreographed. It is like a dance. And we start extremely slow. Um, like I, I like to say underwater slow, like you're at the bottom of a swimming pool. And if, you, if you're doing a punch, it's mm-hmm. going to be nice and slow. You know, um, and there's, there's different tricks, you know, working on a proscenium stage, which is your basic high school stage where the audience is all out front and you got the stage in front of you, in front of the audience you're working in two dimensions and I love that. That's, that's easy for me to work in that two, 2d dimension. Um, now the gamut theater that I work at when they do indoor shows, they are on a thrust stage, just like the Williamsport community. Oh, theater league. Um, we've got audience on three sides. So that's a more difficult. That's a more of a challenge for me to stage it, to make it look real, to make it look like people are getting hit. Um, so I just did, um, it, they're in production right now, uh, close to the Community Theater League, um, the Millbrook Playhouse. Uh-huh. They're doing, mm-hmm. yeah, they're doing uh, Death Trap. So yes. I, I, did the, I did the violence for that, and that is another thrust stage where your audience is on three okay. sides. Um, so that that's a, a little bit more challenging for me, but I walk the actors through step by step, and I'm constantly checking in, asking if they feel safe, if they feel comfortable, and then we we start to build it, if you will, and get it into the muscle memory first and then add the acting element on top of that. Um, And a lot of stage combat that I don't think people realize when you're looking at a scene, if someone's getting beat up or pushed around or their hair's being pulled or pushed or shoved, it's what we call victim control. The person getting the abuse done to them is actually doing it. Like if if I'm going to get pushed, if if Auburn, if you're going to push me, I'm going to, act like I got pushed back and all you're right. going to do is put your hands on my chest and I'm going to go, you know? So it's all victim controlled, you know, kind of like a choke. You're going to put your hands where I tell you to put them, not on my throat, but on my jawbone. I'm going to grab a hold and I'm going to act like I'm joking, you know? So yeah. I'm doing all the work. The victim's doing all the work. So there's, there's tricks, but it is like, a, it is very much like a dance, especially when it's a, when it's a sword fight or a long hand to hand fight. It is it is very much like a dance. So yeah, and, and when we did West Side Story, I remember 
when you were there. And, and all these things that you're mentioning are all things that you, I, I vividly remember the, the underwater fighting. I vividly remember, you know, we're going to walk this out and we're going to ask questions and we're going to talk through the scene because, you know, there's so much to think about. I think a lot of people think that, oh, you're just throwing a punch. Yeah, it's going to look like whatever it looks like, but there's an element to that punch that you're throwing has to look great. We've all seen productions. We've all seen movies. We've all seen TV plays to what have you. Um, where someone did not take the time maybe to put as much effort into the stage combat as they should have, and it just looks very unbelievable and immediately takes you out of that scene. So it's a it's definitely a um, an art um, to it to make it look real. I actually stole your your moves a little bit when we did uh, <laughs> we just finished at CTL. Um, a gentleman's guide to love and murder and i had to throw a punch and i was like all right i'm gonna think about what dan said i'm gonna remember all of those things about how to do the nap correctly and see, and see, God, that, that's you should, no 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 man you, you should turn to seth and say hey man you need to get dan burke in here you need to hire dan burke to come up and help just, us it was just the one punch so i don't know if it, <laughs> but i uh i managed to i, I was always uh it was funny because you know it's just a punch in, in the actor who played against, uh, against me in that role. He, he dropped to the ground and I couldn't tell, but I'm pretty sure it was from the audience. If it was the actors on stage who were acting as if they had just seen a punch thrown, but I'm a 95% sure that every single night, and it was a goal every single night of mine to make sure that the audience audibly gasped when I punched him because it looked that real. <laughs> so, and I think I succeeded, um, but yeah. it, you definitely want to make it look like it's actually happening. Otherwise you lose that, that element. Um, in, in, in my, in my early stages of being a fight choreographer, I was, I was playing Brutus in a production of Julius Caesar. And I was also the, the, the fight choreographer. And there's a scene where it's the, the death of sin of the poet. And all these plebeians think it's Cinna, the senator, and they end up beating him to death. And Brutus isn't on stage at the time. So I would go off stage and I would go up to this little viewing area where I could see the stage and I would watch the audience mm -hmm. react to the to the violence that was happening on stage. And that's what thrilled me, you know, yeah. to watch yeah. and to hear the, the gasps. And so I'm mm -hmm. like, oh, I'm. I think I did something right here, you know. <laughs> when and from an actor's perspective, when you're in the moment, like when I was um, with Nash and we were we were in that fight in the West story, I heard and saw nobody else. It was just me and him. Remember, because it as if you forget, if some reason, I mean, if you miss a dance step, you know, nothing bad is going to happen if you miss a dance step, most likely. But in stage combat, especially when you're using weapons on stage, you know. A false move could legitimately hurt someone, although most weapons that are used on stage or probably I'd be willing to say all of them um, are not true weapons that would be able to do some serious harm or damage to someone. But you still have to be careful. But can you talk about um, in the event of there being uh, I don't know what the terminology is and maybe you can enlighten us on the terminology. Uh, but when you do use weaponry on the stage, if we're looking not just hand to hand combat, but we introduce weapons. What does that add to the choreography? What other extra precautions do we have to go through? What kind of things do the actors have to think about? What do you think about as the choreographer? Um, so what does the addition of a weapon do on stage, whether that is a, a handheld weapon, um, like you said, a long or, or, or maybe even weaponry like a gun, that type of thing? Can you talk about what that introduction of that is to a, to a story? Sure. So the first thing you want to make sure is that the weapon is what we call stage safe. Um, so like with the fight that you're talking about that I choreographed with you in it, the, uh, the switchblade fight from West Side Story. And uh, a side note, if, if any of your audience wants to see that fight, they can go to my Facebook page, Safe Violence and Safe Intimacy by Dan Burke and go to the videos and your fight is on that page. I do not um, know that. I would yeah. also like to do that fight. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a it's a good fight, um, and it, it got it got pretty quick. I I don't like fast fights because I audiences are are stupid, and if you go too fast, they they can't grasp at everything. But your your fight, I was I was proud of that fight and what you guys did with it. And now we were using switchblades in that fight, and we ordered the switchblades from a company. Um, that rents theatrical stage-safe weapons, and that company's name is Preferred Arms. They're one of a few companies in the in the country that rent weapons, but 
this guy, um, Rob Hunter, that owns the company, he's so easy to work with and the prices are great and his weapons are top quality. So the switchblades that came, you could you could rub it um, across where's the camera across your wrist and it would never draw blood right now that being said it's still you know four four inches of steel so if you make a mistake and you are stabbing at somebody's belly and they don't get out of the way or you don't pull yeah. back when you should it's gonna it's gonna hurt um when i was in college a friend of mine was in a production of hamlet at the arden theater in philly and the, there's a fight at the end between Hamlet and Laertes. They were doing rapier and dagger, and somebody made a mistake, and Hamlet ended up with the dagger in his leg. Oh, wow. Now, yeah, it was the end of the play, obviously, but he had to tough it out for the last couple lines, um, and it, it, he went to the hospital. You know, So mistakes do happen, and just because they're stage safe – they can still cause damage. That's why so many safety precautions are put in place. So, and one of the main ones is um, what we call a fight call. And a fight call happens before audience comes into the house where all the fights are run um, once in slow motion or underwater slow. And some there's some different protocols in that. Some choreographers go say, give me uh, 50%. Let's do 75%. Now let's do 100%. I don't like to say that. I like to say underwater slow, and then I like to say, okay, now let's do it up to speed with acting. And up to speed doesn't mean fast. It just means acting the fight, if you will, mm -hmm. um, because that, that's what it's all about. Whether it's a hand-to-hand -hand fight or a sword fight, there has to be the acting element, or you, it doesn't It doesn't sell. No. Um, so – I'm getting off track here. What's what am I supposed to be talking about? <laughs> when you introduce added weaponry to the stage, you know how does that process change from hand-to-hand -hand combat to the addition of weaponry? Um, in addition, um, there was something else I asked, but but how does your how does your process as a choreographer change when it's strictly hand-to-hand, -hand or uh, if you include weaponry? It it doesn't change too much. Um, it's everything's a learning process. Um, just because it's hand to hand doesn't mean it's any more dangerous or any sure. um, less uh, skillful or, or needs more or less dexterity. It, it's still a concentration thing. You still can hurt somebody else in hand to hand. Um, just because you put a weapon in their hand, it, all the precautions still are taken. And um, but a weapon does add a little bit of an element, an excitement element to it. Um, but the way I work, I've got a really great track record um, of nobody going to the hospital or getting hurt. Um, there was there was one one instance where I was teaching a master class at a. Um, uh, you probably know this. Um, the association, it's high school kids. Uh, Pennsylvania Thespian Association. They have a conference every year, and I taught at a couple of them. And I was demonstrating a push, and I would I put my hand on the student's chest, and I said, "Okay, now when I put my hands here, you're going to act like you go back that I pushed you." Well, this actor student went back, and then he fell down, mm. and ended up popping his knee out of joint. And I'm like, "Why did you fall?" I said, did I tell you to fall? And he said, no. And he ended up going to the hospital. That's the only time that, and, but that wasn't my choreography. So <laughs> it was an actor trying to do something that he thought was going to impress somebody or something. I don't know why he did it, but um, you, just because a weapon goes in your hand doesn't make it any more dangerous than right. hand, hand. So, sure. um, but yeah. go ahead. I'm sorry. So the, the I, I just received my training uh, about three years ago in theatrical firearms. And that's, you know, a, a different top, different world altogether, if you will. You, know. you want to talk about that world a little bit with firearm training on stage? 
Sure. So, you know, I, I know we wanted to talk about the the latest incident in Hollywood, the really unfortunate incident that happened with Alec Baldwin. Um, I'm going to talk about theater first, my training. Okay. Um, so I have I have two stage safe guns um, and they're at the Millbrook Playhouse right now with um, Death Trap. Excuse me. And these these guns are basically starter pistols, if you will. They look like revolvers, but the barrel is clogged. Um, so when whenever you're introduced to a new gun, a new weapon, a new firearm, um, you want to make sure if you're using it on stage, you want to make sure that the barrel is solid and you don't you don't check it by looking into it. All right. I take I take a pen and I'll stick it in the barrel to make sure that because some of them, the clog doesn't start until about, you know, a quarter inch down. Um, just so you don't see, you know, the audience doesn't see that it's, you know, actually solid. Um, but you want to make sure that no projectile can come out of that gun. So that's that's the first thing. The other thing is, um, and I'm so glad I took this class because I was doing it wrong for years. The first thing that was drilled into us at this class, and this is through the Society of American Fight Directors, which is what all Broadway productions use. They use that company um, for their fight choreography. It was drilled into us that we as fight choreographers need to, um, we need to check in with the producer or the director and tell them the best way to do this is with a sound effect. And that's, that's the goal. Get a sound effect. If not, then you've got to use, I use primer caps, 22 primer caps. Now, just because it's a, a primer cap, there's still going to be, it's an explosion that happens that makes the bang. So the barrel's clogged, right? So the gunpowder, if you will, the spackle is going to go somewhere and it goes out the sides of the barrel. Okay. Um, so when I stage a, a gunfire and I did this at community theater league at the end of um, West side, I got to make sure that not only actors, but the audience is mm. going to be clear of that, of that spray, if you will. Right. And w whenever I rent a gun before I do anything with it, I, I test it and I'll get a, a chair that has arms on it and I'll put pieces of paper I'll put a piece of paper on the chair, two on the arms, and one at the back of the chair. And I'll fire the gun in the center of that chair. And then I'll look at the paper and see where the spackle went. Sure. That way, and if it, if, if it rips the paper, <laughs> I'm, I'm backing away. You know, the, the charge is either too big or it's not safe. Um, so there's, there's some safety factors that a lot of people don't think about, but... Um, no, no, no live firearm should ever be used on stage. Um, and uh, blank guns, I stay away from. I'll use my primer caps, but even a blank gun, uh, if it's if the barrel's um, hollow, it's going to go out. Something's going to go out of that barrel. There could be a projectile that goes out of that barrel. And from what I've read and, and heard about the Baldwin situation, that's what happened. But so many, so many things went wrong with that situation. Mm -hmm. In in the theatrical world, um, if weapons are used on stage, you have one person. It's called a gun wrangler. And it's their responsibility to load and unload the gun. Load the gun. It stays on a table, roped off. And when it, the actors are ready to use it, the gun wrangler hands them the gun and there's verbiage that happens. If the gun's loaded, the gun wrangler says, this gun is loaded. When you pull the trigger, it will fire. The actor grabs it and says, this gun is loaded. When I pull the trigger, it will fire. And they go on stage. Um, same thing for if the gun's not loaded. Right. So with the Baldwin situation, I heard that um, they said it's a, a cold gun, meaning it's not loaded if i'm an actor and i'm on a set and i get handed a cold gun guess what i'm gonna check because there shouldn't be anything in it and it's my responsibility to make sure that it is indeed unloaded um 
so that was the first problem. Somebody handed him a hot gun. Um, and then he was, from my understanding, and I don't know everything about the situation, but he was practicing drawing it out of his holster. Okay. He, they weren't filming at this point. Um, they, were setting, they were setting up and he was practicing pulling it out of his holster. So, okay. So if he's doing that, there's no reason to pull the trigger. Right. And even if you're handed a cold gun, you should never pull the trigger anyway, because that's the best way to ruin a weapon. You, you, you're going to ruin the hammer. It's called a dry fire. Um, so that was a mistake. And also if it's a revolver and it's a double action, it's, it's not a hair trigger. You got to put some force be behind that, that finger to get that hammer to go back and fire. Now, if it's cocked, then you have a hair trigger. You, all you need to do is touch it and it's going to go off, but it shouldn't be cocked when it's in the holster. And also when he's drawn, when he's practicing drawing the gun, there shouldn't have been anybody even remotely in front of him. He should have, I mean, I'm sure he could have found a spot where there was dead space out there and it didn't happen. So he's going to be in trouble, I think, which is unfortunate because I know he didn't mean to kill anybody. Mm -hmm. um, but there's, there was safety protocols that weren't followed in so many different, on so many different levels um, and mistakes happened. And it's just like when Brandon Lee was killed in the filming of the crow, um, all these safety protocols went into place and, you know, over time people get relaxed. And I think that's what, what happened. I know that there was the girl that was handling the guns. I know that she was brought in late and she even said that she wasn't very well trained and things like that. So it's, it's just a really, really unfortunate situation, but it seems to me that if somebody's trained in stage combat, theatrical firearms, and they're working on a play, something like this would never ever happen if the proper protocols were followed. No. Yeah. Well, I want to continue this conversation, but let's take a quick break um, for to hear a word from our sponsors, and we will be right back. And we're back. Uh, so there's there's no ad in the live episode. It's just where I cut it and put in the audio for uh, when I when I post it online. Um, so what? Go ahead. Yeah, that's what I texted you. Yeah, <laughs> I was just giving you a heads up. Usually, I I forget when I have a guest that is new to the show, especially. I, I always forget that I that I started to do that because we didn't used to we used to just put it in a random spot in the episode. But I've started to find a place where it was a good place to put it and then say, we'll be right back. Since we record these usually live, um, I forget to address it. And then we get there and then the guest is like, all right, where's the ad? They're waiting for another video to play like the <laughs> beginning. But it's there's no video. We <laughs> just go right back, right back in. It's simply for, so that I have a good place to listen and remember to put the ad in. Uh, so thank you, Anchor, for sponsoring this podcast. Really <laughs> appreciate it. And we are back with Dan Burke, uh, resident fight choreographer, uh, owner of Safe Violence by Dan Burke. And if you're just catching up with us, you missed half the episode, go back and watch it. it uh, it's a really great listen. Um, and so we're going to continue our conversation on stage combat. Uh, Dan, have you ever worked on a film and have has that process been different for you if you have, whether it's a small time film or just like a university film or um, in the big stages? I don't know how how much you've gotten out there, but uh, have you ever worked with a film or do you know people who are for, fight choreographers for film? And do you know, is that process different from film to stage? Um, no, um, I, I haven't worked on any films per se. I am for, well, for the past five or six years, I've been working on a web series in New York. Um, so it is filmed. Um, it's called blue wall the series. And I think you can find episodes on, uh, maybe YouTube. Um, she's the, the producer is looking for somebody to pick up pick it up, but we've, we've filmed a few seasons, um, but there, there is guns. It's a cop show, blue wall. So there's, there is a lot of gunplay um, and there's a lot of stage combat and there's a lot of um, intimacy, which they brought me in on. Um, so yeah, just a sidebar here. I, when I was in New York working on this uh, film or this web series four years ago, there was a company called IDI independent, um, 
intimacy direction. Um, and I took their class. So here's a, here's a fun fact. I took their class in intimacy choreography and I'm standing in this studio in New York and I can tell by the lingo of the other people in the room, and it was mostly females, that they were all stage combat people. They were all trained in stage combat. Mm -hmm. And I was like, hmm, okay, this is interesting. And then in through the door walks this old guy with a bald head, and I'm like, oh my God, I know that guy. And here it was Jay Allen Suddeth, who is one of the founders of the Society of American Fight Directors. He's mm -hmm. the guy that certified me in stage combat twice. And here he is taking the class. So I'm like, okay, I'm in the right spot. Um, <laughs> and, and so that side of my business has taken off ever since the whole Me Too thing happened. Um, I've been brought in on a bunch of productions. Um, to keep people safe. It's part of my business, you know, uh, whether it's stage combat or any type of intimacy. But back to the question of film work. Um, yeah, I've done film work, but all, only on the web series. Um, and it is with, there was some hand-to-hand -hand stuff. There was a bar fight um, that I know is out there on YouTube. Um, and there's a, a bunch of gunplay. And it's all setting up the scenes where, you, you know, they're toy guns. They're plastic. Mm -hmm. um, but still, they are treated like a live weapon. No one touches them unless you're the actor using it in the scene, and you're never pointing it directly at the other actor. You're either going off to their left or to their right. And, you know, so it's even that meticulously staged, even though everybody in the room knows it's a plastic gun and it can never fire a projectile, right. you still treat the weapon like it's like it could kill somebody. Okay. So, now you you mentioned that you're also an intimacy in, I can't even say the word intimacy coordinator or so what does that look like how do you how do you teach actors to act intimately on stage um so it, it's all about making people feel safe and comfortable and being on the same page mm -hmm. so a, a lot of a lot of productions um, sometimes these actors are meeting for the first time sure. and they don't know each other and you know and they're supposed to kiss so i worked at a i worked at a horrible college a couple of years ago and i'll never work there again um there was a they were doing a play and there was i knew that there was some intimate moments and i had just received my training and i said to the director i said do you need an intimacy choreographer for this show and they said no i just tell them to hold it for seven seconds and then be done with it and i'm like okay so um, first of all, you never know what somebody's coming into the room with. You never know their you never know their background. You never know their history. You don't know if anything has happened to them in the past that would make them feel uncomfortable in scenes of intimacy. Um, so we have a conversation first. I I ask them um, what their definition of consent is. That's the first thing I ask them. Um, and everybody's definition is is different and that's fine um but the main thing i leave them with is that i remind them that consent is yours and you can always take it back mm -hmm. um and that makes them feel a little more comfortable if if they don't know each other or first time meeting um i have them go off in a room by themselves or i leave them in a room by themselves and i have them tell each other something about themselves that not everybody in the world might necessarily know uh, to share a secret, if you will. So now they have something between them that is intimate. Um, then if I feel the need, we will do um, trust exercises. Um, we do uh, breathing exercises and uh, contact exercises through giving energy out through our eyes, breathing. We'll do um, Pre-COVID, we would do uh, we would touch hands and see where that movement might take us, and if it might morph into the body. But they still have to be connected in some fashion. I ask them very specific questions about. I, I ask them, "Do you know what a fence is?" And they'll tell me, "Yeah, it's a, it's a barrier, like a physical fence, you know, like a picket fence in your yard, if you will." 
So um, different actors have different fences. Some might not have fences at all on their bodies, what I'm talking about. So if I'm a female, I might have fences here and down here. Um, if I'm a male, I might just have a fence down here. So I tell them this story, and this is a true story. This is about the production of Blue Wall. Uh, the director is also the, the star of this web series. And um, when I worked with her on the intimacy scenes, she's in bed on top of her partner, on top of this guy, and she's completely naked. And she, from the waist up, and she's got no problem with his hands going anywhere except for right here on her neck. She can't be touched here. She freaks out. So I wouldn't know that unless I asked the question. And an actor might not be forthcoming with that unless they're asked the question, do you have any other fences? And I even turn it around on me to make them feel more comfortable. I said, I, I have a fence here. If you touch my rib cage, I'm going to giggle like a little girl because I'm so I'm so ticklish, which is a lie. But I say that just to make them feel more comfortable to share if they have any 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 type of fence. And, you know, you'd be surprised with what comes out. You know, the back of the neck is a hot spot. Um, the right above the, uh, the, the the small, the back. Some people have a, a really they can't be touched there. Um, but so you don't know unless you ask the questions. And then if it's a, let's say a kiss, uh, the first thing I ask is, are you right-handed or left-handed? Do you know why I would ask that question? If I'm going in for a kiss? I guess it would um, change the direction that your head goes, maybe? Yeah, yeah. So if I'm right-handed, um, I'm gonna, I'm predominantly gonna turn my head to the right when I go in. If my partner's left-handed, guess what? We're going to hit noses, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I get that specific. And then we talk about hand placement, who uh, initiates the kiss, um, you know, is it mutual or does one actor, you know, plant one on them or, you know, it gets that specific. And where do we put the hands? Is it on the neck? Is it on the cheek? Um, how long do we have it last? And then it stays the same. It's just like a fight. It's just like a hand-to-hand -hand fight. Every time they do it, they do it the exact same way. Mm -hmm. um, and if any actor uh, does anything different, the actor that had it done to them goes right to the stage manager and says, there's a problem. And then I come back in and fix it. And that's never happened, but... Um, that safety net's there. So it's a, it's a whole safety thing um, to make actors feel safe, comfortable, and secure in what they're doing when it comes to scenes of intimacy. So, yeah. and, it, and I'll tell you what, it works. It works like a charm. And every single production I've worked on, I've had actors, the, the actors I've worked with come up to me afterwards and thank me and say, yeah. thank you. Thank you so much for this. I wish I had this on this production or I wish I would have known this for this production. I feel so safe and I feel so comfortable. So thank you. So that's that's what it's all about for me is whether it's stage combat or intimacy. It's about keeping people safe in what could be potentially dangerous situations. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's so important to make sure. And it's, you know, nobody ever wants to feel uncomfortable. Nobody ever wants to feel like their boundaries are being crossed. So it's it's great that you have those conversations and that that's your first place. And now that's the most important thing to you to make people feel comfortable. Because otherwise, I mean, it's going to look fake and it's going to look staged and it's going to look like, you know, something that's not yeah. serious. And um, more and more theaters are catching on to it that it's important that it happens, especially on the high school level. Yeah. Um, I, I work in a lot of high schools and um, uh, uh, for an example, Hershey High School is real big on bringing me in for any little thing, you know, mm -hmm. because it's not a little thing. A kiss is not just a kiss. Right. Right. And some of these people, uh, some of these young actors, they haven't had their first kiss yet. And right. some of them don't want a stage kiss to be their first kiss. Sure. Uh, I was working on a production of Our Town where that happened. So we went through all these exercises and everything. And I, and I said, okay, are we ready to make contact now? This is all pre-COVID, obviously. And the girl said no. 
I'm not comfortable. I'm like, well, wait a minute. We just went through all this. What, what do you mean you're not comfortable? And she said, I don't want my first kiss to be a stage kiss. So it was a production of Our Town, and it's the the wedding scene. So I, it was on a proscenium stage. So I just, when it came time for the kiss, I just turned him. Mm-hmm. And so the the man's back was to the audience, and he just went in like that, and it looked like they had a kiss. But yeah. guess what? By the time of production, she was comfortable, yeah. and they did it. Yeah. So that actually, and a funny story that that actually happened when I was in high school. Uh, it would have been my senior year we did uh children of eden in our adam and eve um in that production you know the the eve character had not had her first kiss yet um and so now interestingly enough those two started dating they are no longer together but they they ended up dating i think during and for a little bit after the show or maybe before i i don't remember exactly how it went but um but that I remember that conversation happening and, and that being a very awkward situation for her and for him too. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, to this day, I'm going to admit, you know, I have never had a kiss on stage. Uh, another funny story when I, <laughs> this is so embarrassing. When I was a junior in high school, we did Hello Dolly. Um, and I was cast as Horace Vandergelder. So for whatever reason, I was raised in a pretty strict household, um, very conservative Christian household. Um, and I remember, walking, <laughs> oh God, I remember walking downstairs one morning before school after I had gotten my script and it must have just, I must have just left it sitting out on the kitchen counter. And my mom was sitting at the table. And she was reading the script. And I was like, Mom, what are you doing with my script? She was making sure that I didn't have to kiss anyone. In the- <laughs> I was just like, Mom, what the heck? This is so embarrassing. Um, but still to this day, I have never had to kiss anyone on stage. And I'm kind of glad about that because I feel like because it's, you know, would, would be my first time on stage. and be like, man, that this is a really weird, uncomfortable thing for me to do. Um but that was, you know, one of those things that I wish I would have experienced when I did um, rent at a university when I was a freshman. Uh, if you're familiar with the stage version of rent, there's a, a song that is not in the movie <laughs> called Contact, uh, mm-hmm. which for, for lack of a better term, uh, it is a, an orgy, a big sex party happening. Um, and I was in a relationship with a girl at the time and her family and my family um, were coming to see the production. Uh, I told her about what she was about to witness, but I did not tell my pastor father or my mom or sister or <laughs> my girlfriend at the time, her parents or her siblings that came to see the show, that they were going to witness something that they were going to be extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> I was standing there like, if I've never had a kiss on stage, man, what I have to do in this scene is extremely <laughs> outside of my comfort zone. Um, but, I, you know, we, that's the, that, that happens. Um, so before we end here, what are some of your favorite productions you've ever choreographed for? Ones that you would absolutely do again? And on the flip side, what productions do you not like to fight choreograph? I don't know if you want to share that, but if you if you would like to share some that you are just not big fans of, of either intimacy coordinating or, or, or choreographing or um, stage choreographing. Hmm. That's a great question. Um, well, let me ask you a question. Yes. Um, so, in the in the weapons world, the mm-hmm. swords, swords, um, you, you you know what a rapier is, right? Mm-hmm. The long, skinny. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's the it's the Cadillac of swords, if you will. Mm. Um, so, it's um, there's one reason why I own six rapiers. Can you <laughs> guess what production that would be for? Um, is it Shakespeare? It is. And I mentioned it earlier. Is it Romeo and Juliet? It is. All right. So that's the minimum amount of swords that you need to mount a production of Romeo and Juliet if you're doing it with um, that beginning scene between um, the servants and then Benvolio and Tybalt come in. So there's mm-hmm. four servants fighting and Benvolio and Tybalt. Um, so that's why I own six. Now I, so I really pride myself 
in court. So I've done, I don't know how many productions of Romeo and Juliet I've done. It, probably 20 plus, but every production is different that I work on. Um, I, I write out the, um, the choreography in a, in a book um, for each fight. If I have the time to do it, that's what I do. Um, I never recycle a fight ever. Yeah. Um, when I start to do that, that's when it's time for me to quit. Um, in my mind, that's, that's the standard that I hold myself to. Um, because every actor is different. Every production is different. Um, they might be working with different, um, concepts of their character. Some, some actors like to work with an animal, if you will, like, um, Romeo and Juliet, uh, Tybalt is called the King of Cats. And I ask the actors playing Tybalt, you know, are you using any cat image imagery? And I try to work that style into the fight, you know, yeah. if you will. Um, so I, I, I'm not sure. One of my favorite productions that I worked on is, um, hold on one second. Let me get something. Mm -hmm. It's funny I have this with me. I'm, I'm in a hotel room, as everybody you don't know, <laughs> doing a job out of town. So this production, uh, uh, Coriolanus, mm -hmm. right? so that's, that's what the artwork was for the poster. Now, I saw the artwork before I did the fight, and I put this imagery into the fight. Um, so that was kind of cool for me to – to use now that fight for Coriolanus it was on the old gamut theater stage which was 20 by 20 thrust stage and the director had cast there were 10 actors fighting on that stage at the same time with weapons and I'm like how the hell am I going to do this so we worked as a team and I brought to the director the concept of doing the weapons part of the fight in slow motion mm. so we we did a light a very dramatic light change and we had um native american uh music underneath like a flute music um to stylize it so all the actors were moving in ultra slow motion until the two main actors in the center lot one of them lost their weapon and it then went into real time for the hand to hand. Yeah. And that's when I was able to put that imagery in there. Mm. It was towards the end of the fight, the poster. Um, but it, it worked so well. Audiences loved it. Um, my wife at the time was working the concession stand and there were two intermissions, Coriolanus. Nobody does Coriolanus. It's so <laughs> boring and long. Um, but at the, even by the second, this, this fight happened in the beginning of the play or, before the first intermission, even at the second intermission, she said people were still talking about the fight mm. um, and how cool it was that it went in slow motion. And um, so I think outside the box a lot. And I, I learned a lot that audiences love that slow motion stuff. And I just did some last night for this production of get smart that I'm working on at the Wyoming, um, Wyoming area place that I'm working at right now. Um, there's a slow motion. There's a, a flashlight fight that happens. So the lights get real dim and they're fighting with these flashlights and it's, it's just two guys. And uh, I, I went to the director with the concept. I was like, how would you think about going slow motion with this? And she said, yeah, I, I think that might work. And it, it's going to be cool because the lights are going out in the audience and they're going mm. upstage and they're, they're flying all over the place, but it's going to be in slow motion and it's yeah. going to work out really, really great. Um, so yeah, I, I think outside the box a lot. So I guess to answer your question, I love working on Romeo and Juliet um, just because there's so much you can do with it. Um, it can go in so many different directions, especially when it comes to Lord Capulet and Juliet. When Juliet says, I ain't marrying that Paris guy and he freaks out. And, you know, I've worked on productions where he just throws her all over the stage. And then I've worked on other productions where the director's like, I don't want him touching her. I just want it to be with his voice. I want her to, I want him to beat, beat her down with her, with his voice. So it, it can go in so many different directions. Um, Hamlet's another favorite of mine, um, just because 
the the fights at the end, the, the three fights between Hamlet and Laertes, uh, every production I work on, I try to get the director to go with the concept of um, what they did with the Mel Gibson movie, which isn't a really great movie, <laughs> but they, at the end, they, they use three different weapon classes for the, for the bout, if you will, because they're, they're playing. It's a, uh, it's, you know, they're wagering on this, this map, if you will. It's like a boxing match. Um, so I try to do three different weapon classes if I can. Um, I worked on a production of Hamlet. I played Claudius in a production where they set it, um, as Vikings, they were, you know, with, you know, Vikings. So we did, we did axe and buckler. We did uh, spear and shield. And then because, because they did the, the, the kids, Hamlet and Laertes, they went to school in Wittenberg. So you got that aspect too. So we went really rugged with the first two weapons. And then we went with rapier and dagger for the final. Um, to bring in that other world. So there's yeah. there's so much, and I'll I'll I'll, I'll leave you with this. Um, I, what really impresses me when I watch other choreographed stuff is what came out a few years ago, the Marvel series mm. um, on Netflix. I mean, wow, Luke Cage. Um, yeah. Yes. You can you can have Iron Fist, but um, <laughs> Daredevil, Daredevil. I, I've never seen right. fights so good, mm-hmm. and I don't know how they did some of the stuff, um, especially the, the long shots. There's no cuts. I mean, yeah. I don't, it's crazy. They're so talented and so good, and it's it it's. I would love to have been on set just to watch how they put this thing together. But yeah, if you get a chance, the Daredevil series is out of sight. Agreed. And it's actually funny that you bring that up. I was just going to transition as the last question of the episode. Um, does, do you find yourself, when you are watching choreography, either just as a, uh, if you're watching another stage show, or if you're watching uh, like a movie or a TV show that has some type of combat, do you find yourself like, oh, well, that could have been done better, or they should have done this? They, do you find yourself choreographing for yourself, remember? Mm. <laughs> not, not really. Um, I so in the Harrisburg area, I'm pretty much the guy that mm-hmm. there's there's um, there might be one or two other guys that, that do it, but I I very rarely get to see another person's choreography unless it's on TV or. Yeah. you know, film, um, because I, I'm so busy. I don't have time to go to sure. anybody else's productions. Right, to right, be honest right. with you. So it's always yeah. whenever and I'm, I, I'm a team player. I, I, I hope everybody does a, a yeah. has success and does a great job. And, you know, I, I don't like to be too critical of anybody. So one of the things I know Cheney and I have talked about this a lot is <laughs> so funny. And I, I fully understand why it has to happen because if it didn't happen, someone would get injured, but it always makes me laugh when I'm watching, for example, like the dark Knight, right? So when Batman is going and he goes to fight someone and you're going to fight a gang of 25 people and they all take turns, right? Like I understand you have to do the one-on-one because if not, someone's going to get injured, but it's just so frustrating as an audience to sit back and watch 25 people attack one by one. <laughs> it's just like, yeah. Oh, that's just, it's, it's, so it's, it's tough. And I, I'm working on that tomorrow. I worked on it last night. I'm working on that tomorrow with this get smart thing. It's a, uh, it's three on two mm. and then it becomes three on one. And you're right. You've got an actor just standing there sometimes because yeah. you can't all get into it right. uh, safely. Um, so yeah, I'm dealing with that, <laughs> um, and I've, I've I've dealt with that before. Um, the, you brought up Batman. I'll tell you what, another one of the best fights, one of my favorite, is when Bane fights Batman. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason why I love that fight is because you see Batman start off as Batman you see him fighting like a superhero mm-hmm. and Bane just breaks him down. And the Batman character uh, goes guttural and loses 
his training and just does visceral stuff yeah. and you can see it you, you see that that point and then bane end up, ends up breaking his back <laughs> literally i love that fight <laughs> yeah. it's a great it's a great fight i love the series it's a great movie trilogy. yeah um so thank you so much dan for joining the episode do you have any parting thoughts before we finish no thanks for having me this was this was great i, I love uh I don't really talk about what I do too much. I've only done a couple of these, but it's been a, it's been a great uh, chat with you and uh, I hope your audience uh, got something out of it. I hope so too. I, I really appreciate you taking the time with me to be here today. Uh, thank you so much, Dan Burke, for joining the show. Uh, for more information and for booking, please visit safeviolence.com. That's S-A-F-E. V-I-O-L-E-N-C-E.com or visit Safe Violence and Safe Intimacy by Dan Burke on Facebook. Check him out. Show him some love. Uh, thank you so much for watching another episode of Afro Latinos. Check us out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitch, and YouTube. You can also find us anywhere digital podcasts can be found. This has been your host, Alvin, with my co-host and my guest for today, Dan Burke. Have a good day, everybody. Thank you so much. <laughs>